Greetings and welcome to three guys from different walks of life share a single bedroom apartment together. What can they do except start a podcast? It's the Mount Rushmore podcast starring Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. I'm a cowboy. Maybe. And, and a ghost who lives in a toaster. Me, Jeff. <laughs> Hey guys, this is the Mount Rushmore that's, podcast. That's how all of the um, just, that's toaster. how the messages get conveyed to us. Because okay. the ghost toaster doesn't speak, but it will toast his requests onto the bread. Hey guys, could you clean up? Uh, yeah. We're having a party this weekend. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Do the dishes. Who made these long distance calls to Phoenix? <laughs> <laughs> I told you we're moving from MCI to Sprint. <laughs> I told you guys. <laughs> Uh, the lease is in my name, the toaster. <laughs> well, the toaster has the best credit score. Yeah, that's clearly. true. That's yeah. true. Uh, so, yeah, this is the Mount Rushmore of bad sitcom premises, and who chose it and why? And I yourself. did. Typical Richard. No, <laughs> what, a tip, <laughs> what a Richard thing to say. <laughs> that's funny that you find that you say that, because I want to I wanna bring something up. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I was just going to say that I, I just kind of came up with the idea. Just We talk a lot about, like, I know we did the episode on weird uh child like children show premises yeah so this felt like a natural extension of that kind mm-hmm. of the next mm-hmm. good good one to do next season for the grown-ups yeah this falls into richard's mount rushmore of topics selections oh does it well because you have you have four you have unsavory characters yeah including like conspiracies and stuff like that yeah you have questioning of the work which is something like this where you're not sure what the premise is you don't like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stuff. You're like, oh. you're unsure of the decision makers. Right. Uh, another one is music. Okay. Because you just like music. And then the last category is just like Richard's potpourri. That's just like the oeuvre like of Rick Ricardo-ness of things that you like to talk about. Las Vegas. Sure. Uh, I think some of those are even centered around a badass story that you have about that's tempting true. fate or cheating yeah. death. Yeah. I generally want at least one good one good Richard story. You have good Richard stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, not Jeff Cast. No, I mean let's rich, not rich cast. <laughs> but but I do work. like that. Like uh, I like to be able to categorize to Mount Rushmore your Mount Rushmore topic yeah. choices. I feel so used. Well, well, uh, that's why you are the first in the credits on this show because you're the leading man. That's yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, Richard chose it. Michael begins. Um, so I. This is a very broad topic there's a lot of things that are bad on sitcoms do you i sometimes wonder why they are ever good like after a a form that's been around for more than 50 years on television and preceded it on radio yeah when we say bad sitcoms like how is it but it's not just i think here's the premise it's not just bad sitcoms because there's a ton of bad sitcoms so what I did is I set myself uh, some ground rules oh i think he's got categories i don't know it smells like categories it, it it's just a whiff. It's a whiff of categories. It doesn't stink of categories. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I set myself some rules and limitations. No workplace comedies. Because, okay. like, in general, I don't think you could make a real bad sitcom premise because you work at the garbage factory or, you know, the dump. It's like, or the or cheers, or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, you put someone in a workplace, everyone can relate to that. It's not a bad, you can make a bad sitcom, but the premise itself is like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, no monkeys. Okay. Because, like, I don't know. Monkeys. Yeah, they're, f- they're funny. Wait, at, wait. Some, at some point, at some point... Oh, we're going to get into this. Okay. Then. Are at these some self-imposed? Po- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. These are... So, I, I thought, uh, you know, no monkeys because uh, everybody likes monkeys, and I could understand why someone would be like, okay, here's... It's... 
it's like a cop rock, but with chimps. And you're like, I'm in. Yeah. I got it. Everybody knows how popular cop rock is. Chimp is not a monkey. But you know what I mean. No, I don't. Oh, good Lord. And then the final one was no sci-fi. Yeah. Because, you know, I just didn't want to. Because sci-fi is such a a broad premise. Yeah, it feels like it. Because you could do anything with sci-fi. So, like, I thought about Small Wonder, uh-huh. <clears throat> which is one that came up in the Facebook Live video yep. that we shot earlier. Um, and I realized, see, lonely, <clears throat> see, lonely person builds a teen or a kid robot, and then tries to raise it as human. Yeah, that's basically the plot to AI. Yeah, and nobody thought that was a sh- well. Okay, some people thought that was a shitty premise, but you can get away with it because it's it's sci-fi. What the hell? So my first choice okay. is sci-fi. It's sci-fi. You know, it's cavemen. We talked about it on the um the live the live broadcast. Yes. Uh it is just it doesn't translate to being a twenty two minute thing. It's a joke. It's a one note joke of uh-huh. uh you know, Neanderthals. I'm sorry, Neanderthals. I don't want to alienate How Cro Magnet of you to say that. <laughs> uh have evolved continuously with Homo sapiens, and they exist, but they exist as a minority. But they're just as smart, they're just as arrogant, they're just as, you know, shitty, and they're just trying to get along in the yeah. same way. But, like, what works in the 22nd, 30-second Geico commercial ad doesn't, like, it's just like, uh, this yeah. can't, this, no one, there's a reason that it, it lasted one season that they filmed 13 episodes and six of them aired. It just wasn't yeah. It just wasn't good. It didn't have anything to sustain it. And you're not you haven't mentioned yet the the Nick Kroll effect. The Nick Kroll <laughs> Nick Kroll was in. The aspect of feeling like it is it is an extended product placement or that too. Like being that is a very yeah. good point is like when when you know the origins are from a commercial selling insurance like I don't need the general as a twenty-two minute, <laughs> once a week sitcom with Maybe. Shaq making a cameo every yeah. episode. <laughs> you know, it's just like this. So it just—it was just bad. And I think well, the California Raisins had a show, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they did, or they had specials at least. Well, yeah. and you remember the ninety-minute "Where's the Beef" uh, <laughs> expose? I think where Cavemen Two suffered is that they were trying to address. Like some social issues and race issues, yeah. You know, via the cavemen, yeah, yeah. as templates. But like, we have these issues that are already going, and you can do them with real people and mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> real ethnicities. It's just like what we don't need. To, you don't need to dumb down this topic to put it. You know, you're in, not Norman Lear. You're the Geico people. Yeah, knock it off. I would see um, a 22 minute gecko. <laughs> commercial. It's basically Rango, which was pretty yeah. a pretty <laughs> decent movie. Yeah. True. Okay, Richard, what's your first choice? All right, so my first choice is My Mother the Car. Oh wow. Um starring Jerry Van Dyke. Yeah. Um one of the not only a terrible premise, but one of the worst sitcoms mm-hmm. by uh by by critical acclaim yeah. of all time. Um basically the idea is that uh Jerry Van Dyke buys a beat up uh Dusendorf, I think it is. And like a 1920s car, um, because he hears his voice being called to him in a female's voice, yeah. his name being called in a female's voice, and it turns out it's his recently deceased mom who is somehow inside the car yeah. and is talking to him, 
what the fuck? <laughs> and it's got Avery Schreiber, if you remember. Oh, he, yeah. He, the Doritos commercials. The Doritos as a kid. commercials and stuff like that. As like this mustache twirling bad guy who wants to buy the car because it will complete his collection. Sure. So that's that's their attempt to try to build in like a regular villain to, to the show. Yeah. And it's just like, it's amazing that it was created by uh, Alan Burns, who went on to create like Mary Tyler Moore, oh, okay. and Rhoda, uh-huh. and the team that was involved was involved with like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. And all these great shows, like James L. Brooks was involved with it. And it's just this example of, you can have so many creative people, and yet the idea can just come out so mm-hmm. badly mangled. Yeah. Is this, like- is this pre or post Herbie? Uh, pre-Herbie. That's interesting. Yeah. There were a spate of magical shows where, or Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, The Munsters, yeah. uh, where a person was living in an unusual circumstance, and they were very successful. And there were Hayseed shows, Green Acres. Yeah, uh, Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction, essentially uh, the Andy Griffith show. Mm-hmm. And this feels like this should have successfully fallen into... Like a Mr. Ed type of category where right. it's I mean, goofy, Mr. but it works. There's an example of a, a premise that is probably not a great premise, but it worked for yeah. some reason. And it was a feature, I think, and then it, then it came, I thought it was a film after. Which came first? I, I'm the whisk, which came first guy today. Uh, Francis the Talking Mule or Mr. Yeah. Ed? Oh, I think Francis. Yeah. So there you go. So, yeah. they, so they, they saw that the mule demographic, the talking mule demographic was through the roof. Yeah. And then they thought, well, you know, if you can do it with a mule, you there, can do it with a was horse. was an interview with Jerry Van Dyke where he said, I was offered this role called Gilligan. Yeah. And I turned it down because I knew my mother, the car, would <laughs> um, be the, the hit. Like, he also, do you, if you see this, uh, I think it's on YouTube, Heat Vision and Jack. Yes. The, the that, was, that was yeah. very close to making my list, but then I don't okay. know if it was a sitcom technically. Well, I know it was a comedy, yeah, but I didn't know if it would qualify. I think it was also so self-aware that it was almost, it was Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon flipping yeah. off right. Los Angeles. So, Okay, uh, what's your second, Michael? Well, I'll stick in the 1960s, kind of in that same universe, uh, with The Flying Nun. Oh wow! Oh wow! Okay. That's a that's a that's a popular sitcom that had a terrible premise. You're right. <laughs> Where uh, it lasted for just two or three se- two seasons, yeah, and oh three seasons, and it was um, Sally Fields' like immediate follow up to Gidget, which I uh-huh. didn't realize only lasted for one season. Oh, like it was one season, thirty episodes, and then mm-hmm. I guess. I remember seeing it in syndication as a kid. I, me I'd too. assumed yeah. it would run for a it, while. I, 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 we must have just seen the same episodes over and over, yeah. the same 30 episodes. Yeah. But so she jumped from the waves to the air playing yeah. um, a character named Sister Bertriel. Oh. And uh, she was a young nun that had moved from New York. Hot nun. To Hot nun. <laughs> Hot nun coming in <laughs> all the way from New York to Puerto Rico. On the main stage. Uh, she played a young nun who, because of her smallness okay, and the starchy stiffness of her nun's habit, the thing that she wore, which is called a, um, I wrote it down real quick, a cornet. Hmm. With a, when a strong breeze came along, it would literally lift her up and she could fly. 
Wow. This was this was the concept. Did she have any other superpowers? Nope. She would just oh, like okay. solve problems. This seems like based on a lithograph found in the Vatican. It's vaguely it, it's it's based on a book called The Fifteenth Pelican by Taya Rios. Oh. oh. You know, classic Rios. Yeah, I read the first fourteen books and I stopped. After, yeah, yeah, once you got to fifteen, <laughs> the fifteenth Pelican. Was, but like, it's just a biz- like the idea that like you just have to buy into a ninety-pound girl and a stiff hat and a strong breeze, <laughs> and she just flies. And every- there be kids like flying around everywhere, like it's the fucking intro <laughs> to Webster or something. I think also God has a hand in it. Yeah, you true. Know, God loves nuns. Was this trying to elevate the nuns? Was this the first example of bad premise, successful program, or maybe? And definitely not all of my choices were like unsuccessful. Yeah, they might they might not have lasted more than two or three seasons, but they were popular. Yeah, Um, and I don't think that necessarily negates a bad premise. I mean, I don't know. Like I, but this is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, what's the name of the show? The Flying Nun. Okay, well that's a metaphor for something. No. No. She flies. Okay, well, she's got, what, a jetpack? What's going on? Yeah. No, the wind and her, th- her, <laughs> starchy, her starchy, her starchy headwear. And, like, there would be episodes where she, uh, w- it would get wet and she couldn't fly. That's, that's like, unbreakable level of yeah. like weakness. <laughs> yeah. What happens? It's slightly damp. Okay. Oh, I guess so I you're can. grounded. Yeah. You can't save the day. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> but everybody loved her. You know, Sally Field is such a charming yes. character, such a charming person that, uh, you know, I think she could probably yeah. pull off anything. Was this around the same time as The Singing Nun? This was, I don't know. The Dominique. Dominique. Yeah. Yeah. 19, this was 1967 to 1970. I just recall we'll it. Look that was it in color? Because I recall seeing it in black and white. But that it was in color. Black and, okay. Uh, Gidget, yeah. Gidget too was I think started in black and white and shifted to color. Okay, or I maybe after six, or maybe I just watched it on a black and white TV. Yeah, uh, I was watching Hooper a couple days ago. The, uh, sorry, what's his head? Burt oh my Reynolds. God, Burt Reynolds, and uh, Sally Field is so charming in that she turns one a few seconds of screen time into this. You know, you remember her through the whole movie. Yeah, yeah and her. Father was a Hollywood, or father, stepfather was a Hollywood stuntman, who was essentially inspired the whole movie. So she is, I think, a second generation Hollywood person. Well, I think she did all her own stunts for the Flying Nun because yeah. they look terrible. They looked awful. You watch them, and it's just someone on a wire wig, yeah. rig, just like kind of <laughs> hang there. Well, I thought she meant they I mean, shot our, her through the air. Like they really, our, she was really airborne. I know that yeah. we just we just shot um, uh, a Facebook Live thing. Uh, oh, it was great, and. Uh, our green screen technology just far top notch, far superior, far superior to that of 1960. <laughs> Singing Nun, by the way, 1963. Oh, so that would have been before that. So I wonder if okay. there's some sort of like, well, we can't do the Singing Nun. That's yeah. already been done. Yeah. What else could a nun be doing? That would be weird. Fish police, fish police, uh, octopus police. Singing the nun? Knitting, nun, the knitting hmm. nun, the knitting nun. <laughs> Uh, Richard, your second. All right. So my second one is uh, where I, I am breaking your monkey rule. It's it's not a personal shock the monkey. Thing. It's not it's not a podcast rule. It's my personal rule for this particular episode. Although it is an orangutan, mm. so one of the great apes, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Smith. Oh, and I remember watching this show as a kid, and I remember liking the show. I have no as a idea kid. what this one is. It was about a orangutan who had been 
given some sort of special serum or I can't it was some sort of some sort of testing was done on him mm. and he's got special powers. Mm-hmm. So now he can talk mm. and he also has an IQ of 283. Did Mr. Ed have a high IQ too? I also, think- what was Mr. Ed's first name? Because I assume Ed is his last name. Hmm. I just know that his owner's name Wilbur because he would say Wilbur mm. as the why electricity going was going factory? to the bit <laughs> in his mouth. It would shock. It would shock him to talk. So, Mr. Smith, a talking, intelligent. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think Mr. I think Mr. Ed was like intelligence from the standpoint of being smarter than your average talking horse. Talking horse. Okay, of course. Yeah, uh, Mr. Smith was supposed to be the you know this this sub you know this this like super genius, and so he had been hired. He worked as a, a consultant in Washington D.C. Who would? Uh, I, I am in. You are selling me on this. I can see how this got made. Yeah, yeah. He works as a consultant to all the uh, politicians in uh, Washington mm-hmm. who would come to him if they have any sort of crisis they need to get solved. And yeah, it's got the, the wow. Department of Homeland Security. Here. It's wow. got the Lance We've Le- got kids in cages. <laughs> get me, Mister Smith. Climb out of the cages. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's uh, it thanks, ha- orangutan. It has the same sort of like. Here's how the animals talk. Concept is, and we talked about Lance Link, Secret Chimp. Oh, sure. Um, where they just gave him gum and had him chewing. That's pretty much what this was because they yeah. had no budget to do anything to make it look like it was talking, but not physically move the mouth. They had to get the mouth moving. And I remember as a kid thinking, this is like a dumb, fun show. And it only lasted a year. It was on the same time as Manimal. You might remember NBC oh, yeah. went all, uh, yeah. went all uh, animal. Yeah. With their, uh, their 82 or 83 mm-hmm. like fall schedule. And it just died, died on yeah. the vine. But it's it's a concept that, like Michael said, it got sold because it was, hey, everyone loves a monkey. Well, this and one, you know what? Everybody loves a monkey in like half moon glasses and a suit. Because I'm looking at a, the cover of TV Guide, and he does look sharp. Yeah, I, mean, I would take his advice. He's the the orangutan from Every Which Way But Loose. So he was featured yes. in that. So in a way, he might have one of the biggest movie stars in television. He definitely. He yeah, brought I mean, some celebrity cachet to when that. When you're thinking about all the, the this recent trend of uh, movie stars, you know, becoming on TV, acting on TV shows, you really got to think back to Clyde. Yeah. He might have been the first. He might have been. The, you know what? He, he wears a better fitted suit than our president. <laughs> he sure does. Like, it looks good on him. Do you think they had to tell the orangutan that the show was canceled? And do you think he how he took it? Like, oh, oh. well, he read it in Variety. <laughs> oh shit, he read it in Variety. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't. He couldn't believe that they didn't. Well, they knew that if they told him face to face, he'd rip their arms off. So he had to read it in the trades. <laughs> <laughs> it would be if it was face to face. Someone would be walking out of there one with a face, face yeah. with a face bitten yeah, off. Sure. <laughs> All right, this. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break <laughs> from our Mount Rushmore bed sitcom premises and invite you to uh, go back. And if you think these sitcom premises are bad, go back to our uh, the premises that have uh, gone through our 160 past episodes of the Mount Rushmore podcast. There have been so many questionable premises, uh, but I think they're all enjoyable because they have the common ingredients of Mr.'s Winfield and Manfredi through them in case, in, unless we've got guests because often there's a, amazing stellar guests 
uh, as there often are in sitcoms. So go back. Please download, rate, and review. You can find us on, you might be listening to us on Spotify. You might be listening on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and do other podcasters a solid and go out and listen to their things. Uh, you No, before they say that, I want to say... Um, and you can also suggest a topic. Go to our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, and let us know the premise, whether bad or good, that you'd like us to deal with on our next episode. Some people in the past who have suggested premises have ended up on the show, and it was miserable. Please support podcasting in general. Here's a podcast that we love. Hey, are you a jock that likes comics? Are you a nerd that likes comics? Do you feel left out sometimes? Well, then we've got the show for you. I'm Imran. And I'm Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we host the Jock and Nerd podcast at jockandnerd.com. If you're looking for fun, entertaining, laugh-out-loud geek chat over all the latest Marvel DC shows and news, visit jockandnerd.com. Full spoiler podcast, lots of swearing. Uh, you're such a jock. You're such a nerd. Oh, come on. Shut up, nerd. Okay. And we're back. Mr. Winfield, what is your third choice? Okay, guys, the fall season is coming out. We've got a mid-season replacement. What show can we bring back and reboot? Okay, can we do this for one episode? Because that's all that aired. Oh, shit. Sure. It was a British TV show called Heil Honey, I'm Home. Also on my list. Is it? That's a triple score for each of you because... that was also suggested by a viewer. Okay. A listener. Who was it? Um, Do you it know was... off the top of your head? <laughs> if not, <laughs> let me no look at Somebody named A. Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Himmler. Frank I'm going to look because it was pretty great. So uh, I'm going to look at that. Well, While uh, you're looking that up, why don't you give the premise of the show? Okay. <laughs> the premise yeah. of the show is it's set in 1938 in Britain, and uh, Adolf Hitler and Ava Braun live in an apartment building next door to their neighbors, the Goldsteins, Goldensteins. And it is a just situation comedy where Hitler's doing very traditional uh, family sitcom type stuff. It's basically the Honeymooners, but set in pre-war Germany or England or wherever yes. it's supposed to be. Yeah, And, you know, he walks in the door and says a catchphrase, which is like, hi, honey, I'm home. And then, you know, the fake audience laughs mm-hmm. very much like I love Lucy. Uh, I was amazed at this. Sh- you know, it's amazing that one, this show would never come out in America for the obvious reasons Two, England or Britain ha- are very open with what they put on TV. Like they will kind of their yeah. level of uh, humor and their, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I'm thinking of. I'll come back to it. But th- basically, like I could see this as a British show being greenlit because it's high concept because it's mostly poking fun of sitcoms. Yeah. And that's like they're using they're using the premise of it's Hitler in the 30s in England and in the only episode, you know, Neville Chamberlain's coming over for dinner mm-hmm. and they're trying to and the Goldensteins decide to drop by and he's like frantic cuz he wants to get them out of there. Yeah. And so, did you watch the episode? I did. I watched like 15 minutes Your of it. Your jaw, my jaw. I remember the first time I saw it. You just sit there, and it's just one of those things. What I think, what I think of when I think about watching it, my, the experience was similar. Have you ever heard Harry Shearer talk about watching the day the, the clown day cried? The clown cried. Oh and yeah. You're just sitting there with your jaw yeah. open, like, yeah. how did this happen? Uh, That's a pretty similar feeling. Well, I think if the 
oeuvre of Mel Brooks and how often he's dined out on comedy Nazis. And why doesn't this work in this case? Comedy Nazis, I guess, can work. I mean, I actually thought about putting Hogan's Heroes yeah, uh, down as because uh, on its face, the premise itself is a wacky POW camp during yeah. World War Two. Yeah, really? Um, I, you know, here's the thing. I, when you watch it, and I guess I would encourage you to watch it, but not where people can see you watching it, because otherwise it looks like you're watching a Hitler yeah. show. Um, it You can see where this might work as an SNL skit at like 1240. Yeah. Cause there's enough meat on the bones where you could do like, you know, you call it the German honeymooners or whatever, Das honeymooners, mm-hmm. and you could do it with Hitler and Ava Braun and do like a five minute bit. It's and like incap- it's, it's, incorporate all of it, and it would be, I could see where that would be funny. It's it the just rever- doesn't last. It's you the reverse caveman. Yeah. Oh. You, you you can take it from 22 minutes down to five minutes, mm-hmm. oh. but but you can't imagine watching this week in and yeah. week out. Are we asked to empathize for the main character? Like, no, I mean like, I think they I think they treat all the characters as if they're very traditional. You know, he's like the dopey husband. Yeah, he comes home late, doesn't tell his wife, he's in trouble. Uh, I think that there are a lot of elements here that went into like the satire in. Uh, the Matt Parker and Trey Stone. That's my Bush. Do you remember yes. that? No, I never saw it. I it was it was pure satire in the same sort of form. They're just making fun of TV sitcoms, but they put it in the White House with a you know a dopey president and yeah. his wife and all this stuff. You know, do you remember? Do you recall that they were going to either do they were going to do a sitcom based on whoever won the election? Oh. It was either going to be about Bush or Gore. And the other one was called like, "That's so Al." Yeah. If Al Gore won, like all they were going to write the same basic type yeah. of story. It was all going to be satire about uh, sitcoms, mm-hmm. and I think that there are a lot of bones of that in this. That's just pure satire. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just bad. Ah, just don't do mm-hmm. Hitler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. Yeah. You, you can have Nazis, but you can't really have Hitler. Yeah. Not yes. the actual Hitler. Yeah. You uh, could have an actor playing Hitler. Yeah. Like the producers, but you can't have real mm-hmm. order the murder of six million Jews. Yeah. Hitler. That guy. Yeah. Uh, my last one is a Fox sitcom back when Fox was first launching in the early 90s. And they had, who boy, a whole uh, whole raft, a whole boat full of uh, bad ideas. This one might have been the worst. It was called Whoops. With an exclamation point. Oh, I assumed that was going to be on there. Yeah, it is a uh, sitcom about what would happen after the nuclear holocaust. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh. Wacky, wacky good times. It's okay. basically the day after, but it's a sitcom. Oh, okay. Um, and it follows around these group of survivors who, for various reasons, were like, one of them was in a Volvo, so that's why he survived. Oh. And then all these sort of like reasons why they survived. And they all wind up in this farmhouse together and they have to try and figure out how to become farmers and live off the land because everything around them is destroyed. Wow. I never heard of this. No funny stuff. Yeah. You, you <laughs> can really see where it's really rolling with the, uh, well, it's funny. Cause concept. like, oops, cause even though, you know, take a show like, uh, the last man on earth and the comedy is with this obvious kind of moronic guy who, traveling around the country yeah. collecting art and 
drinking himself because he's he feel, feels like he's the last person alive. And it works because I think the performances are so good. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit higher concept. It's post-apocalyptic, but you never quite get what caused the apocalypse in. Uh, One of the episodes, by the way, mm. uh, they find Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus. Mm. And he's depressed because... Uh, they had a fallout shelter in the North Pole, but he was able to get to it in time. But Mrs. Claus and the elves weren't. Jeez, that's the episode. Wow, that is. Was there this... is one thing to be like, okay, we're gonna go dark and play it for comedy. That's like that's, that's just like that's like Twilight Zony of like, uh-huh. uh, maybe it is Santa Claus at the North Pole just building toys for all the children that don't exist anymore. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> and he just has millions of toys what stacked year? up that he can never deliver, but that's the only thing he knows how to do. God, how sad. Or it's like Burgess Meredith with yeah. all the books. And his glasses With, with his glasses broken. 92. 92. The year it came out. You know, the, reading about Toy Story and hearing the studio notes on Toy Story being adamant that these characters need to be wisecracking, edgy. These kids, these toys need to insult each other, you know, like real people do. It seemed like there was a very cynical streak in entertainment, which they felt like if you didn't have edge, you weren't going to be relevant hmm. anymore. All right. Uh, so that was exciting. That's fun. That was a fun one. That's fun. So, yeah. So that it basically pictured Gilligan's Island, but after the Holocaust. Okay. Done. Picture that in your head. All right, got okay, it. Okay, good. Okay, now add an exclamation point. Okay. <laughs> End of it. Oops. All right, Michael Winfield, it's your t- time in the sun. Uh, my last choice isn't a bad show. It was a good show. It was a funny show. It was a show that made a career for one of our most beloved actors. It's Bosom Buddies. Oh wow! Oh, the premise Neat. is ridiculous though, because. Oh, yeah. uh, Two advertising guys. One's a copywriter. Uh, the other's Peter Scolari. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I think Peter Scolari. That Peter Scolari. Was, that kid's uh, going places. <laughs> Who's the other guy? I don't know. Uh, I think he was Henry. Thanks. <laughs> Henry Frank. was a copywriter, and Kip was like uh, an artist, and they worked for an advertising firm. Yeah. And they lived in an apartment building together. They're roommates, and they're best friends. Yeah. And then... Uh, while they're asleep, the building gets knocked down. Yeah, I saw the, the wrecking ball. Yeah. So they're forced to move out, and they're trying to find a new place to live. And apparently the cheapest and only place to live is a hotel for women, but for women only. So, of course, yeah, the person that lives there that works with them, Amy, their other close friend, is like, you guys should move in and obviously dress up like women. Yeah. And pretend to be women while you're living here. <laughs> you mean Buffy and Hildegard? Buffy and Hildegard. This, sh- I mean, <laughs> the show, the, the premise of the show is ridiculous. Is there such yeah. a thing as, was there ever such a thing as hotels for, for women? I, yeah, I think I so. I can't yeah. imagine. It's the Susan B. Anthony oh, Hotel right. <laughs> for Women. Yes, the for wayward girls. That's uh, what it seems like. I, it, it but they, se- I feel like the charm of those performers like like some like it hot is the same a dumb premise, but Jack Lemon and Tony Curtis are so sure. amazing that yeah. yeah. Uh, the show feels like they came up with a title, Bosom Buddies, and yeah. then they're like, oh well, there you go, yeah, guys with boobs, 
Yeah. Done and done. But the show ultimately betrays itself in yeah. that at the beginning of the se- – so basically they dress up as women to fool the people that manage this building and fool the other women in the building. And, of course, Kip or Henry, one of them is attracted to someone that lives there, and so they have to do this double life thing. Yada, yada, yada. Season two, episode one, they reveal themselves oh. to the manager. And the manager's just like, okay, you can still live here, and let's keep up this guy's. What a bad manager, yeah. and it just kind of betrays the entire premise of the show to begin with. If yeah. you're going to keep up living this double life, you have to do it with the authority figure. Like That's yeah, why Three's right. Company kept Jack kept, gay, kept Jack gay yeah. for all those years, and it was like, yeah, if you're to keep living there, you have to do this, but when the person that's in charge is in on it, too, it, it takes away a lot of like the... The tension. So bad premise, bad, bad changing, bad execution. Too. Yeah, I think there is also. I think of a uh, school of rock. Jack Black gets a job. Jack Black needs some money, so he gets a teaching job. There's a stupid premise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Teachers don't make any money. Uh, but yeah, that seems like another example, though, of something that dumb premise shouldn't have worked. Kind of did. Yeah, yeah. First season. And maybe the best opening song. Not sung by Billy Joel. It is. No, it's a Billy Joel sound-alike. Listen to it. It's a Billy Joel. It's a Billy Joel sound-alike. Oh, come on. Are we going to get into an argument about this? Oh, my God. Let me go back to season three, Mount Rushmore of Conspiracies. They even talked about this, and when they were doing the... What what was the thing with Adam Scott and uh, Amy Poehler, the greatest show ever made? Parks and Rec? No, that's the name of the thing. They would do these things on on, uh, Adult Swim. Where basically it was a whole half hour making of, where they were trying to recreate the opening uh-huh. credits to different eighties TV shows, familiar. and one of them was Bosom Buddies, and they actually brought Billy Joel in to re-record the theme song. Oh, um, and yeah, they had to use a because they had to reuse a sound alike because they, for whatever reason, they had the publishing rights, but they didn't have the performance rights. Uh-huh. Okay, so they had to like re-record it with someone who sounded. A lot like oh, Billy Joel. Man. I'm trying to type one-handed. To what are you see. doing to the other hand? Oh, dear. Uh, keep it to yourself. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's your little bit of trivia for this week. The theme song for the opening credits was Billy Joel's My Life, although it was re-recorded, a re-recorded version with Gary Bennett as the vocalist and Mike Lucas on piano. Some reruns show in syndication, and all home video and DVD releases use a vocal version of the show's end credit instrumental theme, Shake Me Loose, performed by Stephanie Mills. I'm waiting for this sentence. I'm reading this sentence, hoping it confirms me, and it didn't. Nope. Damn it. Sorry. Oh. Okay. Hope this doesn't affect my grade. Yeah, no. Did Gary Bennett sing it while wearing women's clothes? Oh, my God. In character. Well, it was He's a, a method women's, singer. Yeah, it was a women's only recording studio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Gary Bennett. Good on you. Uh, okay, so that was the Mount Rushmore of bad sitcom premises, and we realized some of them, even though they were bad premises, there were still good sitcoms, but the premise is still a premise and still sucked. So you guys, uh, I'm just going to ping pong around here. Um, Cavemen was a choice that was also put out there on the list, and I think it really kind of puts the uh, puts a lens on this, so I'm going to pick that one. Then uh, I had... Never heard of Mr. Smith, and so it was cool that he brought it to my attention. Jeff loves an orangutan. Um, love me some orangutans. 
And then, uh, and I'm peeved that many animal actors have better careers than I have and appeared in more things. Uh, you both get three for Ohio Honey, I'm Home. Six. Six. Because it's doubled up. Because it's doubled. Okay. And then the last one, since uh, I look like a freaking jerk. Yeah. Bosom Buddies. Whoops. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm upset with losing the points for that, but I'm okay to make Jeff look like a jerk. No. So <laughs> it's kind of a double bonus. Ain't nobody it's a win for both me. of us. Look on the bright side of life always. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the Mount Rushmore of, hey, guys, it's me, the Talking Toaster. I forgot he's back. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's right. I can't talk. I just burn messages just into burn bread. Messages <laughs> into <your laughs> hey, Jeff, I got, a, I got a message here from the toaster, <laughs> Michael. It says, F... Oh, oh, you oh. can't toast that. Oh. Not, this is not a cable <laughs> Write that on toast. <laughs> this is broadcast. Oh, this is no. on UPN. Uh, the butter mud buttons. This has been the Mount Rushmore of Bad Sitcom Purposes. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.